Hi, I'm Sylvain Berthelot, and you're listening to On One Condition, a podcast to raise awareness about health conditions by listening to people who live them every day. Today, my guest is Renato Trentin, and we're going to talk about hemolytic anemia BIPA. Hi, Renato. Thanks for joining me. How are you today? I'm very well, thanks, Sylvain, and it's um, great to be on this call. Thank you. Uh, so, as usual, we start by a song. So, would you like to tell our listeners which song you chose and why? Okay, I chose a song called Sorrento Moon by um, Tina Arena. Uh, Tina Arena is, a, a, I suppose, a, an Australian artist that I grew up with, um, but not just because of that. I've actually... Sorrento Moon is about a place called Sorrento, which is a coastal town just out of Melbourne, um, where I had many, many fond memories of when I was a child all the way through my teenage years. Um, it's a place that you go there during the summer um, and spend a few weeks every year, and it's one of my happy places on earth. So, um, you know, every time I hear that song, it just floods my m mind with a lot of memories and um They're really good memories, and it's it's a feel-good song for me. Nice, and I like the power of music for that. It can bring you back to a place or uh, a memory very easily. Sounds very yeah, and it's, good. It's amazing how the emotions and the feelings come with the song. It's it's fantastic. Yep, yeah, I get that a lot as well. Uh, so today we're talking about a condition that affects you. Uh, but before we go into the, the condition itself, uh, if I'm not wrong, it's an extremely rare condition. And when we talked about it first, you shared that as far as you know, only your family and maybe one other family have the condition. Is that right? That's correct. Yes, it's... Um... A quite a rare hemolytic anemia that we've actually got. So how did you realize that uh, you were the only ones almost to uh, experience this condition? Okay. <laughs> um, I think when I was first diagnosed, and I mean, it was, it was 55 years ago, 56 years ago that... I was first diagnosed, um, I suppose the world was not as closed as what it is now. Um, you know, it was, it, it was hard to get information and it was just very limited. And, I mean, I was misdiagnosed many times during the initial diagnosis period, was probably the first three or four years, um, even to the point that, you know, the specialist told my mum that I had a, a very rare form of leukaemia and they didn't know what to do or how to treat it. So, you, so your diagnosis took several years then? It did, um, but to actually identify that I had hemo, um, hemolytic anemia bibber, um, uh, and they, we call it hemoglobin bibber, Um, it wasn't until oh, 30 years ago that it was diagnosed. So it was, that was almost, you know, 25 years after that, that we actually identified the string and that 
it may be a condition that maybe one or two other people in the world might have as well. And that was through DNA um, testing. Uh, okay, I see. And I, I imagine that's not a uniqueness that you would wish to have. No, no. no. I think uh, all my life I've been fighting to be just normal. And that's probably the biggest mental struggle that you have um, is just being accepted. Um, and it's, it's, it's difficult because I grew up not telling anyone, you know, and um, this is probably the first time I've actually spoken to anybody outside of my immediate family on this condition. And, um, you know, probably even haven't spoken to them and how it made me feel and, you know, the impact it's had on my life and, you know, and how, you know, some of the mental struggles that I've faced because of it. Um, so, you know, it's, but it's a time of acceptance and I feel that the world is accepting a little bit more and um, I think understanding helps people accept and the unknown, uh, people fear. And because of that unknown and the fear, um, and that because this disease or this disorder does make me look a bit different um, because I do get quite joined us because of it. Um, people make assumptions and fear it's, you know, that it's con you know, a contagious type of disease. And um, even to the point that I had parents locking up their children, you know, when I was growing up as a child and telling them not to play with me, you know, and things like that. So um, really? it's, well, it's tough, you know, and that's, yeah. and that's the thing. And I mean, People make judgment and, you know, I even said to my wife the other day that look, I still catch myself judging, you know, and, but I'm aware that I'm doing it now. And a lot of people aren't aware that they're doing it. And it's just because of the upbringing and what you're being told is acceptable and normal and, um, you know, what we should be expecting. And you just find that, um, you know, people fear the unknown and that, you know, and that's the impact and because they fear that, um, they just make huge assumptions. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. It's interesting, actually, the way you, you say it, people fear the unknown. And in a way, I feel like it, if you don't know how to react to something, then you try to avoid it. Yeah. Uh, and it's probably linked to that because people don't want to make mistakes in a way or maybe look stupid. Um, but hopefully, um, by speaking up, uh, it raises awareness and people understand it more. Yeah, and, that, and that's what that's what made me reach out, you know, and actually wanted to actually start talking a little bit about this. Because, look, although my condition is very rare, there's a lot of other rare conditions similar to mine that are, you know, bloodborne and um, very rare. And people have got these unique type of illnesses and I'm sure there, you know, there's many of them that are keeping a secret to the world as well, you know, and then, um, you know, it, it's, you know, and it does have an impact. So it, it's, yeah. you know, I'm suppose I'm reaching out as well, just to say, you're not alone, and you know, there is people out there, and at times, sometimes, you know, just talking about it does help understanding and awareness. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you mentioned your childhood. Do you want to share how it affected as a child? Yeah, look, um, well, I, I was born a healthy baby. Um, 
when you're born, you've actually got a lot of um, fetal hemoglobin um, in there where it's um, a bit different than your own hemoglobin. So it doesn't become noticeable for probably, you know, my disorder didn't become noticeable for the first probably 12, 18 months, you know, and then because of ignorance and, you know, people weren't aware of things to look out for, um, it probably took two, maybe two and a half years before I actually was taught, taken to a doctor okay. about this um, illness. And there was just some signs that, um, you know, there's a bit of uh, blood breakdown in the urine, so urine's quite dark. Um, and then, you know, just I was a dark baby anyway. I've got some pigmentation, you know, from, um, you know, probably heritage, but um, I was probably a little bit darker, you know, just from the um, pigmentation of the actual bilirubin that was um, being extracted or the ex extra bilirubin extracted from the hemoglobin breakdown. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, mum took us to a doctor. The doctor immediately thought, hang on, we'll do some blood tests. The blood test showed that I had a hemolytic or I was anemic. Um, so they didn't know what was going on, um, but I was quite anemic. Um, so, you know, it was quite low. I think my hemoglobin was sitting probably around seven, um, which is around uh, probably close to half of what you should be, you know, as okay. a, as a oh. child. Yeah. Um, so there was quite concerns. So, you know, immediately was referred to a hematologist um, who did several tests and trying to work out what the cause was. But there wasn't any true sign other than I was anemic. <laughs> and, you know, I had less hemoglobin at that time. And, you know, obviously the tests weren't as sophisticated as what they were today. Um, so it took a long time before they started working out what was wrong. And as I mentioned, you know, there was a time there for several months that my mum thought I was actually dying with a uh, leukaemia at that really? time. You know? wow. So, yeah. That must and, be very you know, hard as a, as a parent. No, it would have been, it would have been yeah. very, very difficult for my mum at that time. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. And, um, yeah, uh, it's, it's just incredible how medicine's just moved on now. I mean, the diagnosis would have been much quicker and um, different prognosis at that time. But um, because of this anemia, when for some reason, and we still don't know why, it's still pretty unknown, during the winter months coming into spring, I would probably become more anemic than other times during the year. During the summer, I was probably a little bit better. Um, so it's just strange. It's sort of seasonal that the changes were happening. So at times um, during that initial start of spring, I would find myself going in a hospital because they were on that borderline. Do they give me a transfusion or not? Um, I've never had a transfusion in my life, which is quite phenomenal because, you know, of the low count, but I was able to bring my own hemoglobin back up naturally. So it's amazing how the body adjusts to, you know, these ailments that you get and, yeah. um, and just allow you to continue on. Even though I had a, um, a fairly low hemoglobin, I was still quite an active child. I mean, I, I, I did push myself and I think through that I become, you know, probably a lot fitter than I should have been, you know, with my condition and allowed me to continue on living as normal as possible. And I mean, 
as I mentioned at the start, you know, normality is what I've been searching for all my life. And, um, you know, it's something that I just want to be a me too in this space, you know, and um, it, it's it's funny, you know, that it's probably the biggest driving point that I've been looking for in life is that, you know, to be normal and seen as normal. Yeah, and that's something I hear a lot about uh, people with a, a condition that's affected them in their childhood. And it's interesting because I watch my own children and they want, in a way, they, they want to have something that is unique to them. But on the other hand, there's so much focus on being similar to everyone else and fitting in. Um, so I, I get that. And so you, you mentioned that people closed the doors um, on you and some parents didn't want their children to play with you. Was it because of the jaundice? Or, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's because of the jaundice. I think jaundice is relatable to probably um, hepatitis and, you know, some of those diseases, which people, you know, can catch, right? And um, depending which strain it is, you know, so there's different ways of catching it. And, um, and you know, people are ignorant, you know, so they might have heard someone had, you know, hepatitis once before and, mm-hmm. you know, they looked yellow and that type of thing and... Um, so they probably were just protecting their children. And I mean, you know, they were trying to do the best and people do the best with the tools they have, right? And if they're not educated in this space, they, you know, they make decisions based on the information, the limited information that they do have. Mm. Um, you know, even as a child growing up at school, you know, I would have nicknames like Martian and, you know, things like that because the jointers could make me look, you know, probably a little bit greenish, you know. So, um, but I just took that on board and I just took that as a nickname and, you know, that was the way that I was, you know. And But it's, you know, it's it's tough being a kid and taunted and, you know, um, at least nowadays people are a bit more aware of bullies and, um, and some of these taunts, you know, can be quite hurtful to the point that, you know, people do you know bad things to themselves you know and um you know i'm thank thank thankful that i've got a strong family that supported me and um and you know i'm i'm, I'm quite a strong person as well so you know i, I got through the, you know, the mental struggles that you have you know during these times and um you know I just kept living my life and you know laughing some of the jokes off and you know and just moving on and i think people then started to realise that, hang on, you know, he's, he's not that much different and he's fine. And, you know, I, you know, I've made good friends during my time. Um, but there's also, you know, there's, there's things that happened during my childhood that, you know, probably has had, you know, some impacts on my life, you know. And um, But, you know, as I said, strong and they'll get through it and you process things and you, you try to understand their perspective and, that's helped me get through a lot of that. I imagine that's a lesson you learned, probably younger than most because of, of how you lived it on the other side. Um, so you mentioned that I think you were about 25 when you got your uh, actual diagnosis. 
the uh, the final one. Yeah, the the sorry, I was nearly thirty when I got my um when when I got the true diagnosis through a DNA testing. Um, okay. And the reason we did that was um, I, my wife was pregnant, and obviously we wanted to um, do some tests to see if my children will inherit this, you know, disease as well mm-hmm. um, or disorder. And um, so we were fortunate enough that a, a young student that was doing a thesis decided to do some DNA testing. Um, oh, so okay. we, you know, so they did some testing through that. It's amazing, Savannah, is that one thing that I think a lot of people face on your show is that you're one of very, very few, right? Mm-hmm. So there's not a lot of money and a lot of people that are interested in saving you, yeah. right? Um, so you're just the, un- you know, you're the unforgotten. Um, so, or sorry, you're the forgotten um, instead of unforgotten. Yeah, forgotten one. Um, because there's no, they don't become heroes of saving one person. The, you know, doctors and scientists become heroes of saving, you know, hundreds, thousands, millions of people. And they're the ones that, you know, get recognised and, and move on. Um, so it is difficult for people that do have rare conditions and mm-hmm. um, because no one really has an interest. So it's just trying to get someone that's interested in providing you some support to help you, you know, to maybe prevent this from carrying on through your generations or finding ways that we can treat it to make people live even a more normal life than I have. Um, and, you know, so it, it, it is quite tough. So, yeah, so it was, or it was around 28 when I did the DNA testing and they found out that there may be another family in somewhere in America, um, I think it might even be Alabama, that might have this condition. And, you know, I'll be trying to find out if I can reach out to that family to see if there's any sort of, you know, um, genetic sort of link. Um, but, yeah, once again, you know, <laughs> forgotten ones that, you know, it's very hard to get information and anyone yeah, that is. really wants to pick up this and, and help out. And I'm hoping yeah. that your show might, you know, um, find someone that might be interested in doing a little bit more research and a little bit more help for someone like myself. Yeah, hopefully. Um, I'm glad that you decided to share uh, because I think that can help others, as you said at the beginning. Uh, so did having your real um, diagnosis help in any way uh, or are you on medication or like do you... no, that, no? I'm fortunate that I haven't had to take medications because of this. The only thing they did do was um, when I was around 12, my spleen was quite large. So they actually removed my spleen because I thought that might have been causing part of the issue. Mm-hmm. It was found out that um, the spleen was just enlarged because there was a lot more, you know, dying hemoglobin uh, and the, the spleen was working a lot harder. Uh, okay. It really didn't help much, um, and yeah, I mean, so that's the only real treatment that they tried. Um, mm-hmm. And because of the splenectomy, I was on um, penicillin for a number of years, and that's anyone that has a splenectomy anyway um, needs to go on some, you know, just 
protective measures because you know your spleen is part of your immunity immune system so it's um yeah it, it you, you're more susceptible to some pretty serious sort of ailments <laughs> without a spleen um but yeah the dna testing really just was just a sense of comfort that we've actually identified what traits to look for um and then it was much easier for us to do testing on the children you know um to see if they've got the similar DNA testing. And it was before any signs were shown. We could actually identify that. So I think we'll go back to your children in, in a sec. But how did you feel when you were told that there might be a family in Alabama who has the same condition? Going back um, to like being, trying to be like everyone else, but then accepting that you're not, but finding out that someone else may have the same condition, how did that feel? I think um, it's, you know, I'm I'm still quite eager to get in contact with them mm -hmm. just to see, you know, if they've lived similar issues, you know, and had similar issues to what I've experienced and what treatment they may have, you know, being given and has that yeah. worked? Has it not? Um, you know, we might take a little bit more, you know, that we have uncovered something that's been helping me the last recent years. Um, and that's just through some hormonal um, treatment, um, okay. which was just an accident, but it's actually helped me, right? So, yeah. you know, sometimes these things happen and, um you know, we can, as I said, we can get back to that. But yeah, look, I'm quite, you know, I'm, I'm, I would be very eager to speak to them if they're willing to speak to me, um, just to share some experiences and and to see, you know, uh, and I dare say there's probably some genetic link there. Um, there was a brother of my mum that disappeared, you know, sixty odd years ago, and um, you know, they've never been in contact with him so we don't know where he's ended up i mean my mum is from you know austria around that part so you know maybe he's moved to america and somehow you know that's the family Unique. connection you know through yeah. that so i don't know i don't know yeah that would be interesting um so going back to your children uh so have you tested them then you yes, test? Yeah. we did test um, my children and both have got uh, this disorder. Mm -hmm. um, my daughter, who is the oldest, um, she's not affected as severe as what probably myself and my son are. Um, so it looks like maybe, you know, uh, sex may have a bit more of an impact on it, you know, um, so... Um, it, but once again, you know, we haven't done a lot of testing or working out on what the issue is. Um, but look, you know, I've tried to share them and tried to explain to them, you know, live your normal life. And it's, I think they've they've managed well, um, you know, like with my daughter, because it's not as severe, it's pretty rare that you'll actually identify it that a, a normal person would, you know, maybe okay. a, a medical practitioner might. Mm -hmm. Um my son shows a little bit more, but he's not as dark as I. Um, so, you know, he's a bit fairer. So it, it's not probably doesn't come, the jointers don't come out as prominent. Um, you know, he might look a little bit 
peak at times, but, you know, people do look that way. So I don't think it's, you know, having as much of an impact. Um, but, look, there's still things of the, um, you know, disorder that, you know, like his spleen is a bit large, so he's quite active and fit. And, you know, there's certain sports that he has to be very careful of if he wants to be involved in. I mean, did do a bit of Mai Tai and... Like I said, you know, you got to avoid any sort of kick in the, you know, in the midsection because yeah. it may have, you know, some severe impacts and things like that. But you know, other than that, he's he's very fit. My son is super fit. He'd be fitter than most normal people. Yet he's got, you know, a, a hemolytic anemia, so he's quite anemic, you know. So, um, uh, but you would never know it from his his stamina and his fitness. Um, and, you know, uh, which is good to see. And I, I think I'm hoping that I've had a little bit of impact on that, you know, to say that, you know, you're normal and just live your normal life and just keep, you know, moving on the way you are, you know. And uh, so it's it's good to watch them grow up. And, you know, I don't think it's had it as much of an impact. But from my side, you know, mentally, you know, I struggle at times. That I feel a guilt that I actually pass this on to my children. Um, you know, it'd be great if we could find some miracle way of, you know, treating it and removing it from my children, passing on to their children. But it, we're, we're fortunate. Look, there's people out there that have issues that have a much more impact on their day-to-day life. We've somehow managed to, you know, live almost a normal life. I mean, I'm almost 60 and you know, of of I must say that I've I truly try to experience life, and I do yeah. experience as much as I can. Which is a an amazing example for your children. I'm sure they look at you and see that you're doing what you want, uh, and it it's not affecting you as much as maybe it could if if you were too focused on, on the condition and not on, on living life. So that's very good of you. Um, so you wanted to um, go back and think on, on your uh, hormone treatments. Do you want to yeah. share about that? Yeah, look, um, so, you know, as, as you, males, it's not uncommon that some males, you know, their testosterone level drops down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided because I was feeling a bit low and uh, I suppose lower testosterone brings on a little bit of depression as well. And, you know, I wasn't just feeling great. So I went to the doctors. We found out that, you know, the testosterone level is probably low to below um, normal. Um, So we thought we'll try some testosterone treatment. So we went on that. I went on that and, um, you know, I was on testosterone treatment um, through some hormonal injections once every, you know, few months. And when I got a blood test and all of a sudden I was actually creating too much hemoglobin. We've worked out what the hell's going on. So to the point that I needed to get some drainage, you know, so I actually had to get some blood drained because I was making too much. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. So um, we sort of worked that out and, contacted the hematologist and now we're just monitoring it and trying to treat it but we've actually found that it's actually increased my hemoglobin um 
hasn't cured me, right? I've still got mm-hmm. breakdowns and some, you know, issues and signs that the hemoglobin is still breaking down, but I'm actually producing it a little bit more. So, which is now bringing my hemoglobin level up to almost normal, you know, and we're trying to maintain that low normal sort of level of um, hemoglobin, uh, which is very fascinating, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's it's a watch and see to see, you know, what we do. And, um, you know, we're just trying to <laughs> ascertain is this a way of actually maybe treating it, you know. And so we're, we're trialling it very slowly on my son um, yeah. to see if there's any improvement and, and increased conditions. But obviously, you know, he's still in his, you know, younger ages and his testosterone levels probably around that normal level. So we've got to monitor that and it doesn't go too high. And, you know, so there's, you know, a balance of how we actually um, treat that. So, but, you know, we're we're getting some minor signs of improvement through the treatment, but it's still very, very early days. But, you know, from my perspective, I'm I'm feeling so much better, you know, physically, because of this, you know, that I've actually got more, I've got a lot more stamina than okay. I had before. So I actually noticed the difference, you know, and I'm, yeah. you know, able to do a lot more um, endurance type stuff that I couldn't sort of do before. Um, so, which is, which is great, you know, so it's, it's fantastic that we've done that. And it's just, as, as I kept saying, you know, we've, Rare conditions doesn't have a lot of money and a lot of people to do the research, but who knows? You know, you do a little bit of research on this. It may not just treat mine. I might be able to treat some other hemolytic anemias as well in Mm -hmm. the future. Um, And it might not be the testosterone. It might be something that stimulates, you know, the bone marrow through that testosterone treatment, you know, and, um, you know, there's there's ways that, you know, a little bit of more research and a bit of funding, I think, you know, we might find something that might help not just one or two people, might might help thousands of people. So um, I don't know, you know, but as I said, you know, maybe this might reach out to someone who might be intrigued by it and, you know, really want to spend some time and get a little bit of funding and be able to do a little bit of research around this. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds like you found a physician who who's helping you and who's following up on, on this treatment. So at least you have someone who's looking after you. Um, has it been difficult to find doctors who can help you with your condition? Yeah, look, um, I've, look I've really only had three hematologists in my life. All right, There was the first one, which was a, a professor, a very probably the most senior hematologist in Australia um, that I was under. And I was fortunate enough that I live in Melbourne and that had, you know, the Children's Hospital, which was probably the premier hospital mm-hmm. in Australia for, um, you know, everything for children. And he resided there. Um, when he retired, another hematologist um, by the name of Dr. Toro um, got involved in my and, and he had a real interest and he did a lot of testing and searching and research and and I think there was a lot of understanding through his inquisitiveness you know he was actually 
very interested in my in my disorder and did a lot of research and found that. Um, and then um, as I got older, I couldn't stay under the children's sort of regime. So um, yeah. I got put on to another um, hematologist who's been great and he's been looking after me. Mm-hmm. But once again, you know, it's just to maintain. It's not really research and document. But, no. you know, this, yeah. this hormonal treatment, it's got him a little bit excited, but he's near his end. You know, he's near the retirement age as well. I mean, we're talking many years now, and um, and look, he's been great and um, a great doctor to you know has looked after me and, and has had concerns, but you know, um, not really that interest and enthusiasm to go and find out more and try to find a you know some sort of miracle drug or cure that we could have. Um, and I keep asking people, you know, maybe if you reach out to people that are studying hematology and need to write a thesis on this, that I'm be more than happy to be one of their specimens, you know, to do the testing and they can write their thesis on, you know, my condition and, you know, maybe other anemias that are similar conditions like mine, you know, but haven't found that yet, but, you know, who knows? I've still got some light life in me so maybe before i pass away you know they they may do it and i'm one thing i much rather be the guinea pig and the testing you know dummy because then my children because you know whatever we find out may benefit my children in the long run but i don't yeah, really want yeah. them to go through the rigorous testing that i went through it's it's not great and i don't want their children to go through that testing um it's it's quite quite traumatic as a child, you know, to get poked and prodded and have some very experimental treatments done on you. You know, it's um, quite frightening at times. But look, you know, um, it was all done for good. Um, and you know, I'll, you know, if I had the opportunity again, I'll definitely do it again. Mm-hmm. You know, um, because what we learnt gives me information that I can give to my children. Yeah. And from your children's point of view, then, because you knew from, I imagine, birth or close to birth that they had the same condition, did they have to go through any medical checks or was it kept relatively low-key because you knew how it affected you? Yeah, it it was relatively low key. They okay. they had a um, I mean, they were getting you know yearly checks by a hematologist mm-hmm. um, just to monitor. It's, but they're basically being monitored. It's nothing else, you know. So they get some regular checkups, um, and you know it's yeah, they're just being monitored. The only the only concern that we've got is with my daughter. Um, there may be concerns during the pregnancies because, yeah. um, which is totally unknown. So, mm-hmm. but she's found a hematologist that works predominantly with you know anemias and um, you know women with for women during pregnancies and stuff like that. So she's actually found someone that she'll go through this journey with, and um, she's quite excited to go through the journey with her and to you know document and um, research and and be there with her and support her during that. Yeah, that's good. It's amazing the dependence on 
finding the right physician to work with. Um, because if you don't have access to the right person, then it's you're into the unknown even more. Um, so, yeah. Um, but I, I like how you're, you seem really, really eager to share and also to help research as well. Um, that, that's, that's very, very good of you. Um, especially thinking about your children. I love that. Well, I think that's about probably all for today. Uh, but as you know, I like finishing on, on a question, uh, and I'll be interesting in seeing your reaction. Um, so what is your happy place, uh, somewhere where you feel at peace? Um, great question. And I don't have to think too much about this. My happy place is on a beach, any beach, um, with the sun. It's got to be warm, you know, warm sand. I sit there on the sand and, you know, times I just meditate, you know, I just go within myself and just with the sounds of the waves crashing down, it's, it, I don't know why, but I just find peace, you know, an ocean, sand, and sunlight it's just fantastic and that that is my happy place and um there's other times where i'll meditate i mean there's times when i meditate and there's other times where i'll just sit there and just watch people mm -hmm. it's just fascinating you know and beaches are a fascinating place because you get families you know you get people out on their own you get young couples you get you know people looking for people it's just you know you get dogs out there it's, it's a fantastic place and I think it brings joy to everyone that goes down there. So mm -hmm. I think it just, you just feel that joy when you get there. I do anyway, you know, when I get to my happy place and it can be anywhere in the world. And um, typically when I go on my holidays, which I'm actually going on one very soon, um, <laughs> it's, it's at a tropical place where there's beaches and sand mm -hmm. and, and, and some surf, you know, and uh, I love that. And that's fantastic. I can completely relate to that. <laughs> I was on the beach yesterday, actually, and it's true. It's very, very relaxing, and you can spend uh, an hour will go very quickly just doing nothing, but in a, in a very good way. Uh, so, yeah, amazing. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to share, Renato, um, and I do hope that it reaches uh, people who can then... Uh, help or uh, feel like they're not alone uh, so yeah thank you for your time no thank you very much Savannah. it was it was an interesting experience and very I'm, I'm, I'm actually feeling a weight that's actually been bared which is great you know just to be able to talk a little bit about this um, and you know to someone that I've never met so it's 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 actually <laughs> very um, very relieving so thank you Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you.